guest this week is CX Kidtronic. He's such a humble dude, and he comes across so humble in this interview that I feel like before we start, I gotta reiterate some things about his resume. He was a member of Atari Teenage Riot for many years. He was an early member of Anti-Pop Consortium. He's been the DJ slash hype man for Saul Williams for a decade. He's worked with Kanye West, John Legend, Consequence, and he's got the full-length album on the way with the legendary Ramel Z. He's also worked with K-Solo, Ladybug from Diggable Planets, M.O.P., M.F. Grimm, and many more. Um, I first met him when he came to my group Shark Tank's show in Pittsburgh, and then later when I was working on my old-school throwback trilogy of albums, um, our mutual friend Grunge suggested I enlist his help to get some of these things I needed to get done done, like these drum machine beats and these scratches and some other things. And he said, just tell him you'll buy him a bus ticket. if he just comes down and does it. And to my surprise, he did. And it's been really cool to get to know him. As we talk about in the interview, he's a very tenacious person that's done a lot and maybe not gotten a lot of credit for it. But he's one of these dudes that's able to just keep it moving regardless. And I think it's pretty inspiring. The artwork this week is by Mike Riley, as always. Check him out at MikeRileyComics.com. And once again, we're being hosted by Splice Today. Check them out at SpliceToday.com. Let's Let's go go in. Born in Detroit, Motown, Rock City, Mothership Connection, but didn't stay very long there. Yeah. Uh, Moved around a little bit, Trumbull, Connecticut. Uh, Rochester, New York, late 70s, and then uh, Madison, Wisconsin is where I, I, like, the most formative years when I started the music pretty much and, you know, saw my most major influential uh, concerts, Kiss, and uh, in 79, and then uh, Lights of the Ill, Beastie Boys, Murphy's Love, Fishbone in 87, tours in the Coliseum there in Madison. But so Madison, like, what was, what was like going on there? Because as we were talking earlier, like, you seem to be involved with music from like a super, super young age. Yeah, there was everything you can think of. I mean, early 80s, I mean, there's countless record stores of great stuff, crews, you know, the community center, rap shows or whatever, me and my crew, you know, block parties, all that shit. Yeah. And uh, 
State Street, you know, there's this one little court people would perform at sometimes. It's also where I ran into in the early nineties, uh, Jason Black Cat of of uh sewer rats, BK. Oh wow. Yeah, so okay. and like were you like playing instruments and stuff from a young age? Yeah. Yeah. I mean ever since I was a three year old, my mama set aside uh, wooden spoons and pots and pans. But then uh, and then she also had a piano. She played piano, and I would always just get up on it and make little ditties up. And sometimes I return to the piano later, and I'd still remember the ditty and do it again. Uh, and then in middle school, when I had the chance to uh, join the school band, I was drums. Oh. Okay. So I can read a little drumming music. Oh. Uh, and then. Started with the turntables too around then and just making up stuff on the keyboards and the drum machines. And we had, you know, what was influential too to me is this radio station in Madison, Saturday Night Universal Soul Explosion with A and B. And I would just be at home making tapes, this little, little cheap, you know, remember the Kmart pack, you get like three tapes of 99 cents, just yeah. cheap. And I still got these tapes, but I mean, she would rock everything from. You know, art of noise and craft work to, uh, you know, the DST, Herbie Hancock, Megamix, Nucleus, uh, Twilight 22, Electric Kingdom. I mean, she would, and then the SOS band, like all this stuff would be rocking on a Saturday night. And uh, and it was just with other kids, I would, like with the Midnight Mission kids, you know, we, we, we all knew the Shannon record, Give Me Tonight, and... Uh, we would all vibe off different stuff we loved, especially like Run DMC. Yeah. You know, the first album, and then, uh, I don't know. I was into Miami Vice too, so the synthesizer stuff with Jan Hammer was real right. influential. Did, did stuff like Kiss like come in at the same time, kind of? Yeah, I mean, that's always there. I mean, as a kid, man, in the 70s, Kiss was like, real life superheroes yeah but, you know on the music tip I didn't even care what it, type of music it was, right, right. what it was it was the most phenomenal show on the planet like by a mile like no one could mess with that show and so uh, they were here I had a fucking I had a little Ace Freely doll yeah and I had dolls uh, so it was like superpowers but uh, it was also awesome to see the Beastie Boys license the ill tour because they did have Murphy's Law straight hardcore NYC and then uh, Fishbone like funky ska punk stuff from LA and that really was a huge influence just seeing all that mixed up with the Beasties had you ever heard I mean because you're talking about being like a really young kid had you ever heard like hardcore yeah before? yeah like there's a huge huge punk scene in Madison yeah and I would always hang with the kids and you know in the uh, the uh, record stores I'd see the records I'd work in studio uh, and you know see the, the records they were doing and the flyers on the street poles um, Kill Dozer a lot of early bands man mm -hmm. even the Tar Babies I remember seeing that and that's like now one of my best buddies but I didn't know him back then drummer Dan Bitney, but now he drums with uh, Tortoise 
and oh, wow. uh, but back like they had an early punk band, Tar Babies, uh, Madison. Did you have an idea back then of yourself as like I'm gonna be this musician? Yes, a real funny prank my homie pulled on me in '88 or '89, as he called me one day on the phone. My rap partner, JMC, horrible prank. Kids at home, don't ever do this to your friend. He called me up like, oh yeah, this is uh, Jim Johnson from Electra. We want to sign you guys or something. I just like hung up the phone, went crazy or something. <laughs> <laughs> Still, I got that deal. <laughs> That's crazy. asshole. And then he like comes in. Called there. back later. Like, <laughs> <laughs> just kidding. And then moving to, you moved to Atlanta like for college? Mm-hmm. In Morehouse? Morehouse, yeah. yeah. That's where I connected with Saul Williams, who lived floor above me. And then he eventually became a dancer in my old rap group down there, K.I.N. I think the K.I.N. stuff is really cool. Like, oh, like yeah. break it down a little bit, like, what the idea was behind that group. Well, I used to cut hair for extra money in the dorms, and then... Uh, one day I'm cutting this kid's hair and he's like, yo, you do music? That's your music? I'm like, yeah. He's like, I got a band, you know, a group. I'm in this group, K-I-N. And then eventually I became part of it. And uh, when I started doing production for it, we started, like, combining. Like, it's really coming out of the Public Enemy, Bomb Squad, Ice Cube album. First album was real hot. Freshman year of college, like, that's all we were playing. Uh... Fear of Black Planet had all these fast joints. So we, and then I was also heavily influenced by Fishbone at the time too. So we were kind of combining real fast. I mean, it was industrial. And, and the funny thing is like across the planet in Berlin, Alec Empire was doing the same type of beats. Yeah, yeah. Who I'd eventually connect with in 2009, so. How was it that stuff received down there? Oh man. I mean, we set it up so nice, and we had a we had a good following brewing after a couple of years. Uh, but, and I worked at a record store in Little Five Points, Atlanta, Criminal Records, and so I would tell all the kids about the band, and they would come to the shows. We had shirts. They come to the show with the KIN shirts, and we, we kind of developed a punk following too. And have we would have a mosh pit at our shows. No one else was really doing that, and uh, so. They were always fun shows. Yeah. And did you guys, like, open for a lot of Good question, cats? because anyone that came through Atlanta <laughs> in the early 90s, we found a way to open for I mean, Ice-T, Body Count, Tribe Called Quest, first album, two different shows, De La Soul, second album, uh, Hoes with Attitude, who one That's of the members crazy. has passed away since then. Uh, we opened for them. Uh... Man, did I say Sir Mix a lot? I that was the so, last yeah. show. Uh, who else? Redhead Kingpin. Open up for him at Morehouse. Uh, I mean, tons of cats. But, it, I mean, it's just, we just go up to people and ask them, man. I mean, I walked up to, I had slipped Ice T a videotape while he was filming Trespass. Like, one of the, his lighting standing girl came into the record store. I was like, oh, here's my band. I had, I gave her a, video i made a little video because we had trampolines on stage it was a crazy show yeah so the one that's on youtube now right i think it's on there yeah 
if it's on my it, the one on my channel got deleted. Oh. But uh, but I had slipped in the video, so I just when he was playing in Atlanta with Body Count, I walked into the sound check. I just walked up in there, and yeah, I didn't realize too. Like with green hair, mohawk back then, I could pretty much just walk in anywhere and act like I was the band. <laughs> but, right, right. But he happened to be there playing pool. I just walked in, was like, "Yo, man, Ice." I'm, you know, Christopher X, whatever, K-I-N. We got you a videotape. You think we could open up today? <laughs> the show? Yeah. He's like, oh, yeah, yeah, with the trampolines. You do it for no money? Sure. All right. Come on to the back. I'll hook you guys up. That's awesome. And he's like, you're lucky you caught me here. Sound I usually don't come to the sound check. <laughs> <laughs> That's crazy. Got that on video. And were you like a, a Nation of Islam? Okay. Yeah, that's uh, where X is from. Like, uh, just telling someone yesterday, like, CX, my name's CX, that comes from Chris X, mm. Christopher X. And that's basically stemming from my love of the Bomb Squad and Public Enemy, and then really getting into what Chuck and Griff were saying. And I just really got into it heavy because I was really shocked by a lot of it. So that really, like, woke me up to a lot of shit going on. And it helped me really clean up my act in a lot of different ways. But then it just got to be, uh, you know, I, as I wanted to get my, you know, some ears pierced and, you know, crazy ass hair and shit, it didn't work out. So I had to step off. Well, what did you have that you needed to be like fixed by that? Like you're saying. Oh like man, I mean, I, I probably wouldn't have got in college mm. and been down in Atlanta been with that because, you know, I really didn't, I was just a wild kid throwing rocks all and shit like that. Uh, so it helped me with discipline, self-discipline. Yeah. And, you know, having to pray five times a day and, you know, be clean and, you know, have respect, more respect for elders and, you know, talk correctly when you dress people. Just really clean up my act. <laughs> so, yeah. <laughs> You know, you, I carry that with me to this day, man. I'm gonna, I'm gonna say thank you. I'm gonna say yes, sir. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? Because, you know, that's why you know, the bow ties are worn because it's like, you know, like a waiter. You're servicing the community. Right, right. But ultimately, you can, yeah, you can't break the, the rules. I get like yeah. There's a lot of rules, man. Yeah. A lot of rules. As it should be, if someone you know needs some stuff like that, like that, like I did. But then you know, trying to move on for me. Right, right. But you know, I still, still, will follow and uh, support. You know, a positive message for people that that really need it. You know what I mean? Totally. And uh, if I had a kid, I might. If, if he wanted to go towards anything like that, I would probably steer him more towards a 5% nation. Yeah, yeah. You know, just because I think that's it's, it's best to combat all the crap that we hear every day and see every day. So, K-I-N, like, did you have a sense at that time of like, oh, this is going to be the project that pops off? I mean, it was really my first band I put together in Atlanta. Right. And it was crazy how it popped off. Uh, but then when we broke up, it was just like, 
I was just trying to do the next big thing. Further three MCs came together. I was connecting with Dallas Austin and working in his studio. And then uh, that I was also getting into psychedelics and shit, so everything just became <laughs> these long adventures and different tempos and crap, man. It just became insane. And, and what was Further Three MCs exactly? It was me, Chuck Diallo, Bretton Cruz, my man uh, Cyrus B, my man Kev Cruz. Uh, and it was basically the group I put together after K.I.N. Uh, crazy bunch of fucking crazy motherfuckers. Like, put together, is it was like just insanity. And, and we tried with, you know, we tried representing the name too. I always tell people, you know, before there was Andre 3000 and Lil John with the crunk in Atlanta, like further three MCs was the ones and, and K.I.N. was really just getting berserko out right. there. You know, and all these people were at the shows in Atlanta, so. Uh, right, Lil John was kind of like in he, the mix. He was like a house right. DJ, house right, music. Right, right. And he was an A&R at Soso Def, that's when I knew him. And then he started doing uh, the booty bass, Miami bass music. Yeah. And does that ever feel like crazy to because I feel like you've been in a few situations like that where it's like no CX is like the real guy <laughs> so like does that ever feel weird to be like oh well it was a it was a few years predating when all those other guys blew up with right. the craziness so I couldn't you know I don't like to point fingers or, or not gonna say still the, the only the one situation that was real funny to see like oh wow that's my shit like it was after we did a show opening for Cypress Hill at Masquerade, which is bananas, and we had the reputation, we had the fans from so we had a pit, and we were stage diving at the Cypress Hill show. Yeah. Which was not what the Cypress Hill show was like. Right, right. Two, three months later, I turned on UMTV Raps, and the Insane and the Membrane video came on, and it looked exactly like the K.I.N. show right, right. from a couple months ago that we did with him. And I remember Send Dog sitting in the back of the stage, like, just watching the whole show, and he he, he bigged me up after the show. He was like, yeah, there's a market for this. You know, he's he's giving me props. Right. Um, not always. I, I'd hung out with them before, just hanging around Clark Atlanta University when they did a show with Naughty by Nature. So I knew Be Real and Muggs and all them for that. Yeah, so it was cool to see him again. Not saying they took it. They did not necessarily say it was them. I'm not trying to, you know, point fingers again. But it was that's the only situation. You know, other people have hit me up after Kanye was on the the war show with the NPC. Like, yo, he buy, but you know, but he was already talking about that. You know, when I was working on like bringing the NPC on stage. Yeah, but it was you know after he had seen. Me at Lollapalooza, I guess. We'll, we'll, we'll get to that. We'll all keep right, right, yeah, right. in the timeline. Okay, yeah. okay. I'm jumping ahead. No, no, but uh, like Further Three MCs, that album is awesome that you were playing me. Like the, that I don't think ever was released. Uh, we never or, had any albums. We had just, you know, these long tapes I would oh, splice yeah, together, yeah. little tiny bits of the little things. 
and piss the other guys off. Like, yo, you cut up this, you just had this little bit of the song. <laughs> no, that was great. Yeah, it was like super fast. We recorded up here in New York, in Green Street. Did some shows up here in the music seminar, 93, 94, 95. We did some, some stuff, but never, you know, we had the classic example of not freezing up when you go to the studio, cause, but you know, since it's so official and we travel to record and it's like, oh, we gotta get it right. It's like, we kind of left our formula behind of just bugging out and tried to do like verse chorus and, mm -hmm. <laughs> and just like do a correct, and it was just not us. It sounded like sterile crap. Like, what is this? Like, this is you guys, but I mean, I don't know if the other guys would say that. You know, yeah, yeah, it was cool, but it just never really took the same. Yeah, shape. it didn't. It you know, it, just like a lot of people will tell bands like, "Oh, if only you could capture how you guys sound live on a record." Like, there's a lot of bands, even like Les Claypool said about about Fishbone in their documentary. Like, it's unfortunate they don't have a single record that represents what it's like to be at a show, right? Like a Fishbone right. show. I don't know if I would agree, but similar to further like the best recordings of further 3mcs is just might even be with like a little open air cassette i have when we were just wilding out freestyle and bugging out sometimes yeah like whatever at the crib but you know for some official money shit the red light comes on it's like you're at a hospital and it's time to operate don't gonna have your fingers shaking right it's right, like right. i hate that shit man I'd much rather just bug out, and if someone happens to record it, you know, but I'm not, whatever. So like, as further 3MCs sort of disbanded, what, what did you do from there? I would say, Deuce Gangster, moving up here, Kev was up here too, the other guy, further 3MCs coach, so Chalk was still in Atlanta. But when we were up here, we started doing Deuce Gangster stuff. Did some shows. Um, and then I did a tour. I was uh, playing with M. Saeed in Anti-Pop. Oh, I yeah. did a show in France and in, in, uh, a couple of shows in Europe with him. And DJing? Yeah, like, and playing this live, the Dr. Rhythm oh, Drum Machine, cool. and Sense live, and, and DJing. Uh, but the one of the CEO guys was sounding, he had a band too, and he went with us, and he had heard some of the little cut-up tapes I had or whatever. He was like, oh, maybe we could put this out. So I kind of got my first record deal off the, just going on that tour and being in the car playing a tape for the dude. So that's how the, the first Crack Attack album came together. Oh, wow. And there's pretty much, you know, a few Deuce Gangster records on that. Yeah. Jason BK on the bass from Sewer Rats. And when did that... BK. When did that project come out? The uh, first Crack Attack album was released May 2006. Okay, yeah, right, right, right. And how was it received? Oh, man. The days of MySpace. <laughs> it was great. I mean, thankfully, too, I just... Saul was helping me promote the album while we were opening up for Nine Inch Nails in front of you know crowds of 8,000. He'd announce it, and uh, I was getting press, good press then, thanks to Biz Three in Chicago. And uh, 
Um, so I guess it was it was cool. I was doing South by Southwest. Uh, Saul would let me do a couple records too when it came out. Uh, like jump on the stage, do a song, like put on the Crack Attack mask, yeah. and, and do like Montecor's Revenge or something. Um, and were you already DJing for? Saul yeah, Wrestling? yeah, I was on tour okay. with him as yeah. it came out. I just started. The first 12 inch came out December 2005. I was in France and that dropped. Uh, and I had just started touring with Saul August 2005. Okay. Um, yeah. But what, I, what was that like? like what? Like, you, you know, you said like the shows with like nine inch nails and stuff. First arena tour, hopefully not my last. Yeah. It was surreal. I mean, I have tapes. I can show you some tapes, like me walking on stage. I would like bring a video camera and walk. She like take me walking on the stage. Like, <laughs> I don't forget this walking stage for the eight thousand people. I mean, it was a little scary at first, but uh, we had already done a show with them. Saw had done a bunch. Yeah. And I I had done one in San Diego in a big place with them. Yeah. Uh, but it was awesome. And then seeing. Uh, Nine Inch Nails for the first time. That was cool too. I I had not really seen them. I hadn't been familiar with their music, but the whole cult following who I got to meet and yeah. still friends with today. Uh, and luckily I uh, I was able to. That also helped me, you know, get a whole bunch of fans and stuff too. And did you do a tour of your own? After. Yeah, I did, I did some things. Toured with uh, Zion, Zion I, that's the, oh, yeah. that's, you know, Ricky Ray, all our crew from Atlanta too. Uh, Girl Talk, tours, shows, that's the first time I met Girl Talk was right when that record came out. Um, but not much, you know, there was some stuff. You know, I didn't really have proper management or, you know, I wasn't, I did a CMJ, but I wasn't, you know. Hope, and another thing that helped too was Afropunk, uh, right when they started to do shows and stuff in uh, festivals. You know, they were supportive. But I always felt, I feel like now maybe my name and the way I spelled everything might have hurt my, uh, just how, how wide my audience reach was because, like, for instance, at the same time, Spank Rock came out, it was around the same time, you know, and I had yeah. records like that, Big Girl, Skinny Girl, you know, radio records, whatever, but because my name is like real hard to say, spell, remember, everything, and not to mention Crack Attack name is not spelled, you know, C-R, you know, so I feel like maybe if I had a, a simpler name, but you know, something, you can't change it, you know, if you oh, had yeah. your name for so long sometimes. And a lot of people thought it wouldn't be a good idea if, you know, even up to the point where I had, you know, a, you know, a little bit of a, a name or whatever, and through all the Atlanta people, like, you don't want to lose any of that. Right, if right. If you come out with a crazy, you know, just different name, so I, I stayed with it. But maybe it should have, I just should have came out under the name Crack Attack. Spelled with the C. <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> it's it's weird because it's like 
it's sometimes it's like, is that what it boils down to? How much people like to say your, <laughs> say your name? Well, you know? I always think I missed thousands and thousands of searches. Mm. I go, I heard of this, I heard this regular, I heard this kid or something, you know, it's before Shazam. So, if, for instance, when I, I got my record deal with Stone Soul, pretty much through MySpace and hitting up Peanut Butter Wolf, and the first thing he said to me was, oh, I've been looking for you. Like, why couldn't you, why couldn't you find yeah. me? Like, you know what I'm saying? You're like, like a crate digger. And yeah, well, maybe he yeah. couldn't spell, like, I do searches all day right. with my wrong and correct spellings of my name. And I <laughs> right. find things from, you know, all types of places. And, you know, it is what it is. People spell it with a C and an X, you know. I get CK more than you would believe, mm. you know. <laughs> People can't remember two letters. But Spank Rock, you right. can remember that and you can spell it. So maybe, it, you know, it does have something to do. If you'd have been able to, like, ride that wave, you, you think that would be better? Or I guess it's impossible to say. Yeah. I don't know. I mean, originally I didn't even want Big Girl, Skinny Girl on the album. I didn't want to go booty club way. I didn't go, want to go dance. I wanted to, you know, keep a hardcore in New York, hardcore hip-hop, crazy, and, you know, punk rap. I didn't want to do booty shake stuff, really. But that blew up, and then, you know, ended up <laughs> having girls on stage. Right, and, right, and, right. You know, that became my whole fucking thing like the but you know it wasn't originally like that you know I was just talking to someone yes the uh about my man Moses uh one of MCs from Philly who's on the first album and the original the original idea for Crack Attack first album was complete slackness and fucking x-rated hardcore Craziness, like some of the like Necro or something, like some yeah. of the craziest stuff you could think of. So I wanted to do a whole themed album like that, and and he had the song, uh, the Bunny Burner Slut Anthem, and we recorded it. But one day the label called me like, uh, oh, we don't know, we don't want to go this route, we we don't want to put this type of stuff out. And I was like, oh no 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 no, uh, let's just keep with the. They said we don't want to do Crack Attack, we want to do. Uh, CX presents or something. I was like, no, no, no. Let me keep the concept. This is killer, you know. And eventually, the label is the one that hooked me up with JK Five, who who redesigned the logo to make the logo what it is. So, oh, okay. You know, big up to the sounding records, Alex and man, Nate. Did you already have like the fetish hustle going back then? Yeah. In a strange, you know, coincidence, I had a movie, I did an art school called Crack to the Future, filmed like in 97, 98, and it was, ba it was basically, you know, part of it had a, I had shot this little white rock in this girl's ass crack at the top with a little devil sign about it or some shit like that. I forget what, what was the tattoo, maybe it was a pentagram, I don't know, but, uh, matter of fact, it's on the, Cover of the 12 inch. I can just look up there and see that crack and what the tattoo is. I can't remember where it is. Um, I can't see it. But anyway, anyway, anyway. Yeah, yeah. So uh, I had little freaky deaky movies or whatever, and I did photography in, in college. 
So I started to, you know, feel it out. And then getting, yeah, like gathering the ass crack, like photos and video stuff for the project of the record is what also sparked me, you know, thinking I could open the clip store up because I already had all this shit laying around that I could just chop up and sell. So I'm selling videos on the website that are from crack attack shoots in Miami, just things we did for the videos or the album cover. And I just packaged them up as something else, you know? And how did you even know? Because I feel like until I met you, I didn't even realize that exists. Like, like how did you be like, people will buy this? Because I was buying stuff like that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> and then I met someone that worked for the company while I was on tour at ATR. So she was like, yeah, you just oh, it's easy to open up a store. You just throw this stuff up. As long as you do it every day, throw up a new clip, right. you make money off of it. So I was like, wow. And then, you know, I had a whole bunch of time set up for me after I stopped touring with Atari 2012. So I was like, let me try to, you know, go ahead and just put up a whole bunch of crazy videos and it's fun man it's fun to see people just all day buy those videos man right right it seems like a really time consuming job yeah I mean as we speak you see this flashing light that's I'm rendering a video <laughs> yeah. and it's gonna take like 10 hours to render this video so I'm working right now right <laughs> <laughs> yeah I remember when you came down you'd be like you'd be like do a take of like some scratching, check your phone, see, <laughs> see how these clips are doing. Yeah, it's man. It's nonstop. Everyone's making fun of me on the, on the last salt tour last spring because I'm in the back of the van just editing away. I'm getting a lot of work done back in the van. Right. Like in the, sitting in the back, I'm editing videos. I'm, I'm, I'm in LA, I'm shooting with a friend there, you know, during the day. And, you know, I think uh, we had an award show at the end of the tour. Like, I'd like to give CX the award for. Uh, Making the most money on this tour, and, it, and awesome. it's a big joke because <laughs> I, I I was back I was right. fresh making videos. Let me let me think how to ask this. Like, I guess I struggle a lot with feeling busy all the time. Like I'm like, do I want to? Do I want to be like with the computer and the phone and everything like all day? And, and like, do you feel like you're in your zone when it's like that, or you feel like? It's something you'd like to eventually like not be that way or something. Nah, I mean I'm into it. It's fun. It's like yeah. I have to do it every day. And right. so I just have to do it. And if I have to you know, once I put together a, a extravagant video I might have to take a couple days off it. It's whatever. Yeah. You know, there's a I know a, a girl, she's got a store. She hasn't uploaded since like uh, January 19th, but she's still one of the top studios in the category she's in because she's got hot stuff. So, you know, as long as you, you know, keep 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 it busy a little bit. Um, but it is, it is time consuming, but, and I'm learning how to, you know, make it work quicker. Yeah. Uh, but, you know, I'm shooting stuff I want to see and what I like and what I, you know, think is good product so it's fun to edit the shit and see what I can do with it are you an optimistic person I guess yeah yeah about what 
<laughs> no, but like, I remember like Grunge saying before, like, he's like, I think CX is one of the most like tenacious cats like I've ever met. As far like, like you've done a lot and you're doing a lot every time <laughs> like somebody sees you, and it's like, and it's like so many people get get tripped up along the way. In that process, and it seems like you don't. I've always wondered why. You know, it's funny hearing you say that because I feel like a lazy bastard. I don't feel like I'm doing a lot at all. Really? Or, or I mean, I, I feel lazy. I needed to be doing more than I'm doing. I get inspiration you, from you. What are you talking about? I'm, I'm the, you're the one that's booking all these tours and traveling crazy, putting out mad material. I look at your, the sound card. You got. 88 things up there. I'm like, I only have like three or four. <laughs> I, I'm trying to put the, I mean, with the clips, I try to mix it all up where I'm like putting like scores I'm doing from the clips up on my SoundCloud. So, yeah. you know, I try to keep it all tangled together with the clips. And I'm trying to start a new band with a girl from uh, Lydia Vengeance from, you know, the clips and stuff based on Harley Quinn character, cosplaying. So, uh, I'm trying to intertwine it all. A lot of people, they try to get me to separate the music from all the fetish stuff and all that, but I'm like, it's the same. It's like the, I'm using the crack yeah. tech logo for the whole, like it's all crack monsters, crack attack, like, fuck out of here. And it's, it all like adds up to just making shit more unique, you know? Yeah, like, and it's cool to tie everything together. Yeah. You know what I mean? So how did uh, joining Atari Teenage Riot go down? Again, man, MySpace and Twitter, like, it's, you can connect with people. So me and Alex just started rapping. He had got my record, he had the album. And I had just recently got up on Atari through uh, another artist, Militia, who's on my album, um, Irwin's Not Merlin. She had hooked me up. She had asked me if I, would, I knew about Atari. Like, I knew the name, but I didn't have the stuff. Mm -hmm. And it's a shame because it's so similar to the KIN stuff, you know, in the 90s. And it's, right. I, I listen to it now, I'm like, oh, man, this stuff is like, it's some of the best stuff in the world. Like, hardcore, you know, the digital, you, you can't get any harder than, than the tire line. So I feel bad I missed it in the 90s. But getting up on it was awesome, and it was, you know, perfect fit right in the zone. Right, right. Right in the zone, man. And, and even more than Alex thought. Like the first, you should have heard the first beat he sent me. It was on some, like some hip hop. I was like, what yeah. is this? Like send me some, like get the 909 out and hit me some bang, 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 bang. Yeah. He's like, oh, okay, you wanna you know, deal with that? So then he sent me the Let's Go Crazy remix. I sent him like a acapella, like that was a, a song, like a uh, crack attack. It, it was like a uh, me and Chaka Diallo song, Let's Go Crazy. But then I sent the acapella to Alec, and he he did the remix. Did he have you as like the front man of of it for a while? No, there's no front man. It's it's just uh, it's Alec's baby. Yeah, he's the only original original member in the group. But it's like three people on stage. Right, right, right. Three or four, and then it's like uh, everyone's doing vocals. Everyone's doing electronics, but. We did the Let's Go Crazy before I joined Atari. Yeah. So even though it says Atari Teenage Riot Mix on the song, it's really 
Alec and Barney. But oh. then when Nick got, she, when she did the vocals, then it really became Latari. Okay. Yeah. And what was it like doing those tours? Man, it's madness. I mean, it's nonstop. I mean, if I hadn't got the time off, I wouldn't have been able to do the clips. Right. right. Um, but it was, it was some of the best and most incredible shows I've ever done. Definitely best tours, but grueling and, and just pains, like just nonstop touring and not not always with flights and stuff like in, in the uh, sprinter all over Europe and yeah. you know how the weather gets over there uh, but but it was great man definitely one of the best experiences of my entire life that's awesome yeah like we did some crazy shows man <laughs> it was crazy like what kind of audiences? Man, I, I, you made me think of uh, Krakow, Poland, man. As soon as we started, I mean, it was just people bouncing off the walls. It's just nonstop, brutal pit, and not always, but uh, you know, the best. I always said that Poland was the best crowd uh, mm. for the ATR shows. Just nonstop madness and stage diving. It's crazy. Oh, man. that's awesome. Yeah. You toured U.S. bunch too, right? Yeah, we did two tours. U.S. And did that kind of just natural? Is it just naturally like people go in and out as vocalists? They've always had rotating yeah. lineup. I mean, uh, Nick Endo, even though she did vocals on the record, she wasn't out front in the '90s. She was more DJing. But then, you know, in 2010, she was out front and doing straight all you know lead vocals and a lot of the records uh i replaced basically carl crack's role carl crack passed away in 2000 and uh he another reason it worked out for me too because i'm not great with a lot of lyrics i mean I, I was able to memorize a whole lot of stuff with them but um carl crack was schizophrenic he, he had all these short parts and uh, I was able to latch on to that. <laughs> oh, cool. <laughs> he was so short. I mean, it was whole songs and whole, like, long speeches I had to do. But uh, that was cool to get these little short bursts and to write my own rhymes in some of the songs. Yeah. Sometimes in the 90s, if Carl couldn't, was sick or couldn't make a show, maybe his sister filled in for the shows. The uh, arsonists. They worked their Atari too, man. They they uh they did some stuff on an album oh, wow. in the nineties with Atari. Uh Hanin, she was a vocalist in the original lineup. How did working with I don't know if it was was it called the good music thing at this time but the with Kanye and all that, how did that come about? Through Saul Williams, because we performed at Lollapalooza the same time like Kanye and Nine Snails. So Kanye was watching the show and we spoke after the show. You know, he's feeling the drum machine stuff I was doing. And uh, then we ran into him again in Australia. And I was like, yo, what's up? He, see, he mentioned a re. I said, let me do a remix. He's like, all right, all right. And then I saw him again. And he's like, what's up with the remix? And then like five months later, he called me up. <laughs> I was like, yo, I need help. Like sometimes, you know, I call up 
Pharrell or Timbaland for drums or something. So let me know. And I was, we started talking. On a Friday night, he's like, well, you want to come out here to Hawaii? <laughs> right, right. <laughs> and I was in Hawaii the next morning. I was on a plane. It's crazy. Did that like, uh, like four times, I think. Three or four times when I did. Wait, which album was it? It was after 808. My Beautiful... Is that one? Yeah, but it was, yeah. I mean, he was playing with different material, and you know, I was just doing a lot of drums, and we were figuring out how to do the MPC stuff. And right. I ended up on this one record with uh, John Legend, and Consequence, whatever you want. Oh right. And right, that was right. real, real simple. Like he's just playing it in the studio. We're sitting there listening to it, and he said, "Oh, CX, what Kanye?" <laughs> <laughs> I said, "He said." Uh, I, I'm feeling this song needs like a like a, like, a, like he's beautiful when he writes like he just like openly just sits there and like mumbles and stutters through something like when he's trying to write a rhyme it's, mm. it's crazy to watch and like uh, he he just mouthed to me what he felt the song needed it's like this song needs like a like a female like a like a voice like ah, come on yeah. So I was like, oh, okay, I think I, I just got an MP3 of this James Brown track, Lynn Collins. I chopped it up, MPC. Yeah. Started playing it. He's like, Scotty, hit record. <laughs> <laughs> and the next thing you know, I heard that shit on Hot 97 before I even knew they were using it. That's crazy. Call the lawyers. <laughs> 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 I'm sure it's a, a delicate subject, but like... How do you feel with like people being like, yeah, he's like trying to do your style with the MPC or whatever? Yeah, I mean it's happened twice with Kanye when he had the drum machine and he came out with the leather jacket on SNL and all that. That's, but I, yeah. But I can't point fingers, man, because I'm not the first one to wear a leather jacket with spikes. I'm not the right, first right. one to play an MPC like that. I got that, you know. Based, really from anti-pop, they they really inspired me with that NPC game like that. Right. And uh, but I mean, I had the in the Midnight Mission, I had the drum pads. Yeah. Maybe five. But you know, I'm not the first. I this this whole hairstyle I got, you know, that's all you know inspired by Angelo Moore, Fishbone too. You know, I mean, I can't I can't look at someone and say it bite me too tough, you know. People will say that all the time. Oh man, look at look at the Ninja Turtles character. He's like they're biting <laughs> CX stuff and all this shit, man. But uh, yeah, I don't like to. I don't like to point. And you look weak when you do that. You, you don't never yeah. want to point fingers. You copy me and all this stuff. Because what if he's really not? And yeah. Then you really sound stupid. I don't know. Yeah. Absolutely. I mean, you're obviously influenced by everything. Because you experience it, you know. So he did work with me and, and use my stuff, but I can't really do. I can't really point the fingers. I might. I might admit to retweeting some finger pointing tweets of other people. <laughs> 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 Just because I retweet everything. Right. Right. And it's cool to be mentioned like that. Yeah. But I'm not gonna be the one shitting on Kanye anytime. Yeah, anything, absolutely. Anyway, I'm not. I'm not ever yeah. gonna. You know, I'm thankful for the opportunity, or whatever. I don't, he he copied me all he want, but I, you know, 
it does suck sometimes to get a text from people at his show like, oh man, he's biting for me so hard, all this stuff, dude. Like, right. I'm at the show right now. <laughs> Jesus, he's got a mask on. But how do you feel about like working on that like top level? You know, like I feel like as far as rap, it's like it doesn't get any. Like Kanye is like the biggest and even bigger now than it was then. Back yeah. then, yeah. I mean, I was working with him as the Taylor Swift shit happened. That's right, what right. Catapulted his, you know, so right. But uh, I don't like to think about that because I, I always think I should have made more of the situation and could, you know, I could be at a higher level since I, you know, work with him. But I'm not really. I didn't really take advantage of the whole. I mean, in a way, like since I did do that, I, I feel like I should be able to walk into any office and get anything, and or, right, or talk right. to anyone. Like when you check out this new band, you know, at any level, Lee or like. But I can't. I mean, I don't know. I'm not. I'm not the. I don't know. I need. I need a manager or something. Help me out with that stuff. <laughs> I, I'm not. I don't hustle as hard as you. Like, <laughs> but no. I your mean, inspiration. I mean, I I've felt that way many times. Like, like tagging along with Grand Buffet for like when they, you know they've done these big like indie rock tours and stuff. It's like it's like okay, I'm here and that's cool. But I don't really know how I would parlay this into anything. Well, you, you know what I mean. Yeah. I mean, it's cool to have that stuff on the resume, though. Definitely. It helps. You should see the flyer my man put together in Pittsburgh where he, he just had all the, all the stuff under my name. Like <laughs> Kanye and girl talking. <laughs> all the stuff and food. Uh, Hit the stones to the Atari logo. It looked cool, though, man. But so, ha so the second album, like, like, that's pretty epic in terms of, like, ambition and like man that's a, that's such a nightmare <laughs> that working on that record I mean I'm, mm. I'm doing it basically crack attack 2 is crack attack like 4.5 or something like it. the the amount yeah. of times I had to redo everything and just pay people and just back and forth while on the road with Atari with the mixes and getting all the mixes right with Frankie the hearts of darknesses it was it was just exhausting yeah. and then for them to turn around and not use like, all the artwork I put together for that shit and you know they didn't even print it up you know and then and they didn't even put Feral Manches and Homeboy Sam's name on the, <laughs> on the track I mean it's retarded man mm. that kind of just like took the air out of like any ambition like to to do something like that like it was, it was just like like one of my friends said, like cutting out my tonsils. He took the artwork like that away. Like band, like I had, I had like all types of friends help me out with art, great, put together great artwork, mock newspapers, this fake FBI document thing, yeah. this crack manifesto. Big up my man Daoud in Philly. My man Charles Cohen. My, name, my man Mark Evan helped me put together the artwork. But then Stone Store just. Fucking, they didn't. It was too explicit, or they they scared, or, or maybe they felt I put too many uh, clips for sale ads. About <laughs> <laughs> five or six of them on the artwork. That's wild. So, I mean, 
Is that kind of like the end of? No, nah, it's just through? a bummer, dude. Yeah, yeah. You know, it's just a bummer, and then, you know, it made me be like, you know, fuck all this. I don't. I really don't care. About what? I mean, it's hard to care after anything. After that, it's hard to really. It's like I mean, I don't know. If you spend all those years. <laughs> and, and all the money, I, a lot of money with that album. Yeah, a lot of money. I'll never see that money back. Um, I mean, but at the end of the day, there's a lot of good, there's a lot of great shit on that record. I, I still want to print it up, um, and I still got to finish one video for it. Oh, cool. Cracker source. That's awesome. So is the sewer rat stuff the the new focus kind of? Yeah, yeah, I'm, I'm working on, I got a whole bunch of crap, <laughs> not crap, but I got a whole bunch of stuff, and it's crazy to have like five or six projects like on the plate that I want to do, and like, oh man, I'm just, I mean, I got the Ramel Z album. Yeah, we got to talk about that, dude. Yeah, I mean, I got the final, rest in peace, Ramel Z record, I guess I got to mix all that, get that together been talking to Wolf a little bit about that. Mm. And then, uh, of course, the Ricky Ray. We never put the Ricky Ray, Dr. Desperado stuff out. That's yeah. another one. Then, uh, yeah, Sewer Rats. Sewer Rats BK, we've been in the studio for a while trying to get this shit together. We're almost there. I'm going to bank some seven inches. So that's going to drop soon. And we're going to print them up. Uh, what else? I, I totally didn't work swiftly enough on the Blowfly Balls album, and he passed away recently, but I still want to complete. You know, I had some demos already, right. some beats done of that, yeah. that came out pretty good, but then I also lost a lot of the samples somehow oh. in my machine, but I did record the demos, I have those. And then there's, you know, the older versions of Crack Attack 2 stuff, that could be 3, you know, so. There's a lot of old stuff with Chaka Diallo for the 3MCs to put out from that period. Yeah. That uh, you know, a lot some of the stuff more dancey, clubs kind of continuing on the big girl skinny girl tip. But uh, oh oh, and the other thing I'm working on, with uh, I'm working on a project with Sav Kills, Jay Ronan. We got Cool Keith, Cool AD on the record so far. I heard um, the preview. Yeah. Fire. <laughs> Sneak preview. So working on that, and I'm trying to present that as being like, maybe we'll call it live kills, because I want to be on stage with NPC, tapping the beats out live while he's rapping. Oh, cool. I don't think anyone is really doing that. So I want to do that for that project. Um, also, a band stemming from the clip stuff with Jason BK also as the Joker on the bass, and I want to have Lydia Vengeance and D from Wet Brain in Baltimore, be uh, oh, part of the, uh, the the two lead vocalists and the cat fight on stage and get naked and all oh, that right, shit. Right. But I want to do that big, so I'm I'm trying to put that together still. Maybe record some stuff. Oh, that's awesome. But maybe we could talk to to Hyde about helping us press up some uh, Doc and Desperado and put that stuff out. But <laughs> <laughs> well, we gotta talk about the Romel Z stuff. Like, how did how did you? Uh... How did you meet him? Thankfully, I had been telling enough friends I wanted to work with him before the Crack Attack album. And I guess an art curator friend of mine 
uh, who I went to school with in Atlanta. She had a, or had a connector, met him, was working with him, and mentioned me to him. Did me that favor. And one day, early morning, she calls me, like, all right, CX, I hooked it up. You have to call him right now. <laughs> He's sober, it's early morning. Call this motherfucking ass right motherfucking now. He's like, okay, 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 okay. I called him up. He's like, hey, CX, uh, yeah, man, man, get on this crack attack. Hey, boss, what do you got? What do you, let me hear what you got. I'm holding up my phone and speaking like, I like that one, but you got something faster. Played with Tricky Dick B. I was like, I'll take that one and the other one. Like, when are we going to the studio? I was like, uh, two days from now, Wednesday. What time? 10 a.m. What's the address? Oh, uh, well, some Myrtle Avenue. I was like, see you then, boss. Click. It was like that. But the next day, I'm in bed with someone across town in the morning, and the studio calls me. Say, like, oh, when did you tell Ramel Z to be at the studio? Oh, tomorrow. Well, he's here now, and <laughs> he's already drank two double deuce of old gold, this old English beer. Get your ass over here right now. Let's do this. I was like, oh, shit. I hadn't really finished the beat with Tricky yeah. Dick. I wanted to flip it a little bit more. It's just a loop. I get to the crib after taking a cab to get the beats. And the power's out in my crib. I was going to remix it real quick. <laughs> the the power's out. I never have remixed it. So hopefully on the new record, uh, I'll remix Tricky Dick a little bit more. There is one remix already by V5. Maybe I can incorporate his stuff. And then... Um, but yeah, it was awesome walking in the studio that morning. He had a big smile on his face and recorded some crazy, crazy ass shit. And we became tight. We became friends after that. And I even spent a Christmas with him. You know, he we got call him up, hang out, whatever. You know, he did the record release party with me. One of two people that have passed away. They were at my first record release party, rest in peace. The Blaze, Rusty Juk's sister, was on the first album. Uh, and then yeah, man. And at, he did, had some chemo. Ron Melzi had some chemo done. And I remember coming, I was I needed to record something for Crack Attack 2. So I went to his crib with the laptop, headphones, and a mic. And he recorded some vocals for Crack Attack 2, like while his eyes were green from the chemo and wow. stuff. It was crazy. And he murdered it. He killed it. Yeah. And so I got some great, great stuff coming up around and now it should be a great record and uh i'll probably just let stones throw put together the artwork for now because i'm not gonna i'm not gonna make effort again to give right, them right. too much of anything if they're not gonna use it anyway you know what i mean did you get a picture of like why he's been so like or was so, so elusive he just didn't want to be bothered yeah you know he was a nice dude. If he, you know, sometimes he drank, he'd get angry, right? Pissed off or whatever. Um, but I don't know. Also, when you're so good, sometimes it, like it's obviously that everyone else's crap is just shit sometimes, right? So, you know, I, I probably see why you know, sometimes he just he didn't he could care less, but. You know, he always kept busy with his art. Right. And had his, his apartment filled with art. I remember, man, getting off the f elevator 
right, at his apartment building. And I'm talking about the ele- like right when you step out the elevator, the entire floor, the entire hallway of this building would smell like glue. Because he'd be in there gluing stuff together. Yeah. Oh, my God. I think there might be one song going to be f- featured in a uh, film we did on Saul Williams' tour called Dream States. There might be one of the Ram L joints. Oh, that's that awesome, man. Oh, that's great. Is it anything else you want to mention before wrapping up? Uh... You mentioned the clips. Check out Clips for Sale at www. <laughs> clips for Sale. Clips for the letter, the number four, sale.com slash 55049. That's Crack Monster Productions. Don't miss Sewer Rats BK upcoming release. Check out Sewer Rats BK on SoundCloud. This is going to come out on Monday, so the show is. Uh... When's, when's the show you got coming up? Ah, Thursday. Awesome. All right, so check out the show. If you've listened this far on the podcast and you live in New York, Brooklyn area, come out to the show this Thursday at Tender Trap. It's a free show. We got uh, Dream Crusher, Sewer Rats BK, me and Jason BK doing a duo electro set. Then we got Goddix. We got, uh, who else? Speak Onion. We got Driver. Who's up? Oh, yeah, Ohm Sickle. Ohm Sickle with Jane. We got uh, uh, the free rat meat pizza from the uh, out back next door of the pizza shop. Yes. The tender Trap. Come through the, the, the uh, Green Crusher extravaganza. Awesome. Well, thank you so much for doing this, man. Thank you, man, for coming all the way up here and not doing this over the phone. Oh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you once again to CX. We'll see you next week.